world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. A secret lair. Secret lair? Yeah, secret lair. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say something about, like, turn into a supervillain and send my son off to be raised by mystical hermits so that... Just because familial relationships in, in yeah. fiction I, I are mean, you complicated. Could, you, could send your, you could send your son to, like, a red sun planet and see if that works out. Ooh, that'd be super. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to change his name. <laughs> You would have to change his name to Henri Caviv. <laughs> Hello, my friend. Oh, I have been summoned, as you discuss uh, how you say Red Sun. That was going to be a really awkward conversation with that Lois Lane. So your your parents sent you here because your planet was exploding? No, my dad just needed like a quiet hour and a half to record his comic book podcast. <laughs> parents do crazy things when they can't hear themselves think. <laughs> Uh, speaking of podcasts, this is the Superhuman Registration Podcast. That's probably the worst segue I've ever had. It was des- it was desperation. Desperation. Yeah, yeah. we just got to get started. My name is Steven. I've got John and Aldo with me. We are here to talk about some comics, including one that isn't technically a Marvel comic. We got one of those uh, Star Wars comics that was grandfathered in to being part of the Marvel Unlimited app because I guess they got the publication rights from Dark Horse. I'm assuming, I actually am yep. not sure if this one was Dark yes, Horse Yes, that was accurate. Yep. It was? Okay. Cool, cool. Um, is that where we want to start? Do we want to start with the with the Star Wars? Stang, yes. See, I learned some galactic slang. <laughs> Language. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what it means. <laughs> you moof milker, you. Do we want to talk about our favorite genres of music in Star Wars? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Did you see that Twitter thread? The guy I... who found out that it was called Jizz for the very first time? Oh, gosh. I've, I've known about that for years, though. I've known about that since Dungeons & Daddies did a whole um, three-episode mini-arc where they were a Jizz band. And, boy, that was uh, not one for the kids, let me tell you. Ooh, jokes were made. I was oh. about to try to, like, do a search for it so I could find it don't, and read it don't, to don't, you don't, all. Don't, 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 Anyway, I think we should talk about some something more wholesome, like uh, naked clone Emperor Palpatine getting into a lightsaber fight with Luke Skywalker, and that is not somehow innuendo. No. <laughs> I just got I was, it. <laughs> We're off to an awful start. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. oh. We read, are you ready? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Wait, nope. Marvel's lawyers will shoot me if I keep going with the music. Okay. <laughs> we read Star Wars Dark Empire, six-issue miniseries from 92, 91 to 92? A long time ago, in a simpler time. Um, written by Tom Veach. Cam Kennedy was the artist, with Todd Klein as the letterer and Dave Dorman as the color cover artist. We find ourselves a few years after... Vader and the Emperor and the destruction of the Empire. The Imperial fleet is still kind of out there and there's some infighting, but they've unified to try to fight against the Alliance now, the New Republic, and we pick up with Luke and Lando and Wedge and company trapped on a planet and Han and Leia come to the rescue. Han and Leia are married, they have two kids, and spoiler alert, one more on the way, and... They rescue them, but Luke wants to stay. There is a uh, kind of hole in space that opens up, and it's very powerful with the dark side, but uh, Luke has to go see it, and it takes him to the core of the galaxy where he is confronted by Palpatine. Who could have seen this coming? 
and Palpatine wants him to turn to the dark side, and Luke wanting to figure out what what happened to his father, why his father turned to the dark side, wanting to see if there's a way to, to end the dark side once and for all, agrees to become the Emperor's apprentice and turn to the dark side. Meanwhile, Leia is a budding um, Jedi of herself and is getting um, impressions that she needs to go to Luke, and so she and Han Solo and the droids um, go to the uh, galactic core. At the same time, these world destroyers show up. The Imperial fleet has launched these across the galaxy, and they're destroying Mon Calamari. You know, uh, trap. Wait, wait, I just blanked on his name. Oh my gosh, Admiral Akbar. Holy crap! You ever have a day when you can't think of Admiral Akbar's name? That's really sad, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They're attacking Mon Calamari, and it's terrible. These world destroyers are just wrecking shop, and they are seemingly unstoppable. They do figure out at some point that some of the ships are going offline and they don't know why. Well, we cut to Han and Leia. They have to visit some uh, smuggler hideouts to get some more gear, recruit a crew. Uh, One of Han's old buddies turns on him. Who would have seen that coming? And uh, they have to run away from Boba Fett and a hut who kind of falls off of a flyer and slimes uh, down a wall. It's kind of funny because they want to get Leia just as much as Han Solo because she killed Jabba the Hutt, if you recall. They sneak their way into the Imperial base, the center of the galaxy, and Palpatine confronts Leia and lays out his plan. He's made clones. The dark side has ripped up his body in ways that uh, are too much for a fragile body to take, and so he transfers his consciousness to a new clone every so often. He's got a room full of them, and he uh, shows Leia that he has a Jedi holocron, a cube that has a uh, recorded message from previous Jedi in it. He wants to take the Jedi secrets, take over, control the whole galaxy, of course, but specifically wants to put his consciousness consciousness into the baby inside Leia's tummy. Yuck. So that's terrible. Leia escapes, says, heck no, I'm out of here. Luke says, yeah, I'm not really on the dark side. Don't worry about it. It's okay. And there was some back and forth of maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. And then they escape and they go, they leave the uh, base. And it turns out, oh, it was a trick from the dark side. Luke was not really with them. It was like a projection similar to Last Jedi. And uh, he's still... Uh, with the Emperor. He confronts the Emperor, he kills all but one of his clones, who they say it's a 15-year-old clone in one of the intros. It looks like Rudger Hauer. At any age of a <laughs> Rudger Hauer, just pick one. Yeah, Hobo with a shotgun, Blade Runner, like, all good. Yeah, that, yeah. So he fights uh, Emperor Rudger Hauer, and he's subdued, and Leia comes back to confront the Emperor, Um, learning more about the Force, learning that there's a prophecy that rhymes from thousands of years before, which, when you think about alien languages, it makes me mad. It's like, no, that's not how it (laughs) is. So, she shows up. Together, the Skywalker twins take out the Emperor. Leia awakens the light side in Luke says, you're, you're going to train the Jedi. My children are going to be the new Jedi. You're going to train them. And ba-da-da-da-ba-da! Done. So... I, this is the part where I need to take a drink of water because I've been talking the whole time. What did you guys think? Uh, I, uh, oh, hold on. I had something stupid witty to say and now it's, lo- it's gone. Was it stupid or witty? Yes. Was it about Rucker Hauer? No. <laughs> like, no. like TIE no, Fighters was, in I, the I, Rain? Something like that. <laughs> I was holding on to it and I, I lost it and I hate myself. It's okay, although we still like you. Um, so Boba Fett was in this. I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> like, that's a thing that still happens 
Uh-huh. So I read this in junior high, and I remember thinking, huh, the Star Wars expanded universe, the stuff outside the movies, is actually kind of interesting. I want to look into it some mm-hmm. more. And then I never did. But, like, reading this again, it's like, okay, what do we have? We have, you know, post-Return of the Jedi, the Empire Resurgent, the New Republic is basically taking the role of the Rebel Alliance again, Palpatine is back, we need to have a Skywalker getting seduced to the dark side, Boba Fett is back, Boba Fett is back for crying out loud. Boba Fett? Where? Uh, issue four, I think. No, I'm just contractually obligated to say that when his name is. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I don't know that this story is necessarily, you know, a prime example of the rest of the Star Wars Extended Universe. But dang, if they don't seem to repeat the same stuff over and over again in basically all of Star Wars, right? Well, Stephen, it's like George Lucas once said. It's like poetry, rhymes, and repeats. Although you get that once. <laughs> That's it. You cannot use that line again. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, because like, I, I never really got into a lot of the expanded universe stuff. Like, at least not of, like, the like the non-mainstream. A lot of the Star Wars extended universe that I consumed was, like, the cartoons. Mm-hmm. And not a whole lot else. So, like, a lot of the comics... And a lot of the books I just never really got into, except like maybe the occasional like uh, like Knights of the Old Republic video games. But like that's oh, so far God. separated from, you know, the, the core Star Wars stuff. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So like this was like it seems like it would have been interesting if I hadn't already been disappointed by the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I was going to say right there. I was like, if I had read this when it came out. I would have been too young to see the repeat of like, oh, a master turning or an emperor trying to turn the Jedi master and uh, it's all this again. And, you know, oh, Boba Fett and blah, blah, blah. I would have been like, this is awesome. Um, yeah. So maybe it's good that I can see it with a little perspective, but still appreciate it. I didn't hate this at all. Same. I, I didn't, didn't, hate, I didn't it hate it I just wasn't impressed, I guess is the way to put it. Like, it wasn't bad. Like, I don't hate the time I, I spent with this. I just wasn't impressed like I was hoping to be for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, this story of Palpatine coming back worked better than Rise of Skywalker, if you ask me. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because that was, like, uh, in uh, response to whiny fanboys online crying and, why wasn't it, why wasn't everything I love tied up and turduckened into everything else I love? <laughs> it, um, makes Ryan me Johnson, of... man, everyone else can kiss my... Uh, what's a Star Wars <laughs> poodle? Uh, yeah, no. The one thing that I thought was really clever about the plot was how the Emperor wins Luke over by saying, hey, look, I've got this ability to keep like bringing myself back into all of these different clones. You're not going to beat me unless you figure out how I do it. So you should just pretend to come over to the dark side so that you can eventually betray me. And Luke's like, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. Or the try thing that. is, like, it... It weirdly does make sense within the world of Star Wars. Because, like, how can you stop this uh, process that you don't understand? Well, you got to, like, get in there and you understand it. But the Sith, like, are kind of built on this master-apprentice relationship where they, are like, betray each other. That's kind oh, yeah. of part of what they do. So, the rule of yeah, two. like, the rule of two. Yeah. It weirdly worked. I don't think it pays off terribly well, but I thought it was a clever sort of setup. Yeah, I... I like the idea that he has to 
work together like with with leia right like they have to use their force powers to kind of suppress him because like the emperor's whole thing like every time is always like sure you could kill me but guess what i'll win like <laughs> yeah because that's always his thing right it's like yeah kill me so i can so i can for some reason anti-voldemort myself into your body <laughs> however that works because it proves him right if he yeah, if exactly. he gets attacked in anger by a jedi jedi becomes dark jedi yeah but also he takes over their body uh-huh yeah, so it's one of so it's one of those things. But we do get a chance to see Leia be a Jedi and kind of take a, you know a more starring role. So that's good. Um, I yeah, think. for some reason I've never been in love with the idea of like a Jedi Leia. Sure. I don't know why. It just it always seems to me that I like her more as like a general and as a captain or just kind of more of a on the ground type person. I love Star Wars. And I love the idea of Jedis and all that stuff, right? The Jedi mythos is really great. But I feel like you lose something when Star Wars focuses too much on the Jedis. Oh, yeah. It should be not like where there's so many of them that Samuel L. Jackson asks to have a purple lightsaber so he can pick himself out of a crowd as if he's not going to be in the center of the frame whenever he's on screen. <laughs> Having said that, purple lightsaber is dope. Let's, let's not even argue. Um, but yeah, like when you have somebody like Leia, who is, you know, she's a rebellion leader. She's constantly like kind of in the dirt with a lot of these things. She's, she's a princess really by title only because she doesn't really like or act like what we think a princess should be. Right. And even in the sequel trilogy, she's still very much like involved in the daily going ons of, of an ongoing rebellion. I think the moment that you start elevating her to like, to the idea of, of a Jedi, you kind of take her away from what makes her. I think a really strong character and you start making her more like yeah now she's part of this legacy bloodline now she's part of this prophecy now she deals with the things that like is about feeling and only three special people in the galaxy can do this like that type of stuff just kind of to me weakens the character and so like i'm not a super big fan of that and i know i know that like maybe a few years ago i probably wouldn't have been able to pinpoint that but after a lot of the recent star wars stuff Mm. I feel like that's. I feel like I was able to finally pinpoint why I don't like Leia as a Jedi. Like at least me personally. I don't. I don't entirely agree with this because, uh, especially like in this story, I think Leia is uh, like actually really cool as a Jedi. I think she's like drawn really well in a way that like makes it kind of interesting. But that said, I. I don't entirely disagree either because I feel like Star Wars does put too much reliance on the Jedi. Jedi are cool, but one of the cool things about Star Wars is just how big and like varied this universe is. That's why Rogue like is so episode good. one, or excuse me, episode one. In episode four, like the standout moment that takes it from oh, this is an okay sort of like space adventure to what the heck is going on is the Cantina scene where you see all of the crazy different aliens. Then, you know, when you get to Empire Strikes Back, they up the crazy a little bit more with a swamp planet with, you know, the world's wisest Muppet. And, like, I don't know. It just, there's a lot of really interesting stuff that goes on in Star Wars. And the promise of the expanded universe is that you get to dip into all of this other stuff. And keeping the focus solely on, like, the Jedi and the battle between the Rebels and the Empire, it's, it falls short of the promise of Star Wars. Which, as a quick aside... I feel like the best bit of Star Wars media that we've gotten since The Last Jedi is the Star Wars Visions special on Disney+. Yeah, Plus. yeah. it was just its own thing. And uh, 
drew like it was more based on what inspired Star Wars than not maybe not more, but there was enough where you could see like influence of like Japanese film and anime and things like that that you know. I actually, I actually think that the Mando is probably because I haven't seen Visions yet, so my opinion might change. I think for me, Mandalorian has actually been like the best piece of Star Wars media since the movies. What about uh, Rogue One? Uh, Rogue One is a uh, a lot of shortcomings. I want to love Rogue One, I really <sighs> do, but it's just uh, uh, it, it got it got too destroyed in the edit. It got a little destroyed in the edit. You know, you know what I was thinking of while. Uh, well, John was talking. It was, it was that the world's wisest muppet is actually Grover. <laughs> no, near. You know what? I'll concede the point. Far, near. <laughs> Far. No, I was. I was gonna say that. Uh, is it a little weird that like you have a fish planet called Von Calamari? That'd be like if you had a cow planet and you called it Von Stroganoff. <laughs> oh gosh the chicken planet is named Dala King it's uh you know but we don't go to foie gras that's it's a dark place <laughs> <laughs> okay but let's take it back to the story um what did you guys think of the art loved it it was good not the attempt to like look like the actors because I think that that limited them it felt kind of stiff like that but if you think about Ralph McQuarrie's work, how he worked for Boeing, and how, you know, knowing how to make cool airplanes, you know, transferred so well into making cool spaceships, you can see some of that here, you know. I think that they, you know, they sucked me in. Like, I was kind of like, oh, great, we got to look at this, like, almost Harrison Ford and almost Carrie Fisher, most of this thing. But I thought that the uh, coloring style, where each page is kind of monochromatic watercolor and ink, was interesting and um i loved the ships i loved the ships and it won me over and there are some really impressive panels throughout where you get some cool angles of spaceships and uh so i'm i'm voting yay on the art two things for me one was i actually really liked the kind of facial expressions specifically on luke towards the second half of the series like when he's really kind of go into like the dark side Mm -hmm. i i think in that in that sense where you have like the lookalikes it actually worked to its advantage because the further luke looked like mark hamill the more interesting it was that like you could it felt like he was actually being distorted by the dark side right like he was getting like bigger uh, like bags under his eyes where the shadows were extended whatever and it stopped looking at him at some points he even looked a little romita-esque the art on on Luke and the Emperor, the Emperor clone, I guess specific. At least to me, it looked a little Romita esque. I don't know that that was intentional. I think it was just the energy of the moment. No, I could see it. It's a, he's a little Norman Osborn. The other thing is, and I don't know if it was the quality of the scan. Well, not the quality. I don't know the source of the scans. I don't know if these were from like print or if these were from like the official pages. But reading this on my iPad, I thought it was really interesting because you could see a lot of the ink. the brush strokes. Yeah, the yeah. inking on on the yeah. on like the big swatches of black. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Just for me, not for any real reason. But like that w- that was kind of neat to be able to see that. No, it made it more real. I think. Boy, he is naked. He is naked as crap in all of this. <laughs> <laughs> how do you fight he sure Jeez, is how scary would that be to fight naked with a lightsaber boy and he's just birthed so you know he's all gooey too yeah he's super gooey <laughs> yeah the slippery <laughs> Sith lightsaber man yeah yeah I mean handsome but still oh no <laughs> Rutger Hauer man we're just yeah yeah <laughs> like clones in the rain 
they kind of also give him like he almost has like a Dracula vibe once he stops being naked man and gets his 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 cowl and cape back on, you know. So then he's very much like I am Bela Lugosi or Christopher Lee, what have you. Oh, there's one panel like right towards the very end when the force storm that the emperor that the emperor unleashes like comes back and devours his ship. He yep. looks like Dracula. He yeah. looks like Gene Colan Dracula. Just needs a mustache. His there. his canines are even slightly pronounced. Like I know that canines look like that, but like he's got like the collars all popped up. He's like ah. Jedi blood, huh? Sure enough. Strong contrast in this. Like, that's some of the best art is these panels towards the end. Just really strong shapes with these, like, you know, silhouettes. And as we see, like, is Luke good? Is he bad? He's all in darkness. And then finally he gets a little bit of light in his eyes after he talks with Leia. And his eyes don't have that creepy green glow that they've had the whole time. Which, you know, yeah, they've been using, you know, most of the pages are just one color. But we get a, a little bit more... You know, the striking red of the Empire and then the blue of, you know, space and them escaping the planet and everything. So, yeah, I, I think that the the art kind of made up for things that were kind of like, mm, to me. I liked it a lot better than Rise of Skywalker, I'll tell you that. Well, Rise <laughs> of Skywalker, just the more I think about it, the more mad I get. Yeah, I have yeah. a question about a thing that happens in the book. What was the thing that that, I guess, retired broken Jedi gave Leia? I think it was a lightsaber. It was the lightsaber. Was that the lights? Oh, right. Okay, so that was the lightsaber that she later has. Yes. I want to know what bum on the street who used to be a Jedi just kept around a lightsaber and didn't use it. That should have been like, don't go near Vim Square. What's Vim Square? Well, there's a hobo with a lightsaber and you don't go near Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay, but like also... How good would that be as a as like a Jedi exploitation movie? Hobo with a yeah. lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, that's probably just General Grievous, but <laughs> but like the the film is all gritty, you know. Yeah, let's get Robert Rodriguez on that. Yeah, man, he'd make it for fifteen dollars, and it'd be really awesome. You know, he also directed the first episode of Book of Boba, right? Yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, I didn't. I don't need a Book of Boba Fett, but I'll watch it. One other thing I want to mention real quick. I thought the covers were okay. Yeah, they were more an attempt to really like suck you in with like, hey, look, it's Carrie Fisher. Especially the cover to number three. That's the one that struck me the most. It's got the like Luke slipping over to the dark side thing going on. Mm-hmm. Really, I thought very impressive looking image i was i said two things i only said one of them i really like the bit of foreshadowing or not even foreshadowing at this point at this point it's just a kind of a cliche back then probably foreshadowing but the bit when luke shows up at the end of or yeah towards the end of the first book where he's silhouetted and he looks like darth vader and it's just his hand coming out of the shadow that was pretty cool yeah yeah visually i think this story does a lot of work to like make sure that the plot is getting across sometimes it doesn't work there's a scene i don't remember which uh book this was in but the emperor has luke and leia and han and 3po and chewie who was technically in the story but didn't do anything oh yeah yeah they're just like walking along and leia uses the force to like bring this thing down to try to crush the emperor and he sees it and he zaps it and blows it up but while this is going on the emperor's monologuing so if you are the type of person who tends to gloss over text boxes as i sometimes am it's easy to miss what's going on and so i feel like the arts the art's pretty it doesn't always work for me but when it does work it's gorgeous but there is this like the storytelling using the art 
and the narrative is not always meshing quite like it should. That said, I actually thought the dialogue was a hoot. There was one section in the beginning, I think it's uh, in the first issue, where uh, Leia is talking to Han. She's using the, the turret blaster in the Millennium Falcon, and she's like, I can feel the Force moving through me, guiding my hands in the terrible tasks of war. And that dialogue is just so, like, syrupy, thick, and dramatic. I loved it. I thought it was perfect for a story like this. I thought it was a little weird how... For for how nonchalant Han Solo tries to appear. I, I love how, like, how happy he is about, like, the, the, the wife, the husband-wife smuggler outlaw shooting and ship, like, driving and shooting combo, right? And he's like, yeah, the, they're about to meet the galaxy's best, like, husband and wife pilot and shooter team and gets her on the turret and she's like, cool, this is my second time shooting one of these. <laughs> <laughs> So there's, I don't know, there's something kind of cute, like a little endearing about Han Solo being so excited about that. Especially when so when you're so used to him trying to be so, like, aloof about everything, right? He's super cool. But nah, he's married now. He's, he's, he doesn't care about that. He gets to go on space adventures with his wife. That's, that is what married life is like. Oh yeah, my wife and I just got back from a space adventure. Oh yeah, did you guys go to Von Stroganoff? We sure did. <laughs> Good boy. Um, I want to point out the world destroyers, uh, world devastators, destroyers, the big the big ships. They're in the Rogue Squadron game, I want to say. They're in something. They're in something that I have played, um, and I'm just trying to look it up and cannot find it. Oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go. Nope, that's repulsor lifts. <laughs> snow speeders. Nope, I don't want snow speeders. Anyway. I do love that we talked about how this story is so repetitive of all these other Star Wars tropes, and we didn't even mention the fact that there's basically a Death Star in it. Yeah, yeah. they're just, you know, mobile. It's annoying. Yeah, well, what made these better than the Death Star? They're mobile. Is it John just that they it. were mobile? <laughs> John said That's it. it? Like, the Death Star was mobile. It was just slow. Hey, this is... No, that's what it is. It's an extra... It's the last... Yep, 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 yep. Um, the last level you play as Wedge. And you fight the world world devastators on Mon, Mon Calamari. Sorry, just that was going to bug me. Uh, but it's a thing. It is a real thing. Didn't dream it up. They even look the same. Uh, Rogue Squadron for Nintendo 64 was a great video game. And um, I very quickly got the cheat code so you could fly the Falcon or any other ship. So it was extra fun. Do we have anything else to say about Dark Empire? <laughs> uh, worth Worth reading. Uh, there's a there's a second series, and I'm assuming the Emperor comes back from being dead again. Yeah, I mean probably. Dark Empire two. This time it's not Dark Empire one. Dark Empire two. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Dark Empire two. Extended Universe zero. <laughs> Dark Dark Empire two. Lost in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Empire three. I'll be back in time for Christmas. <laughs> Dark Empire two. Powerless. Dark Empire 2 is just called Dark Empire 2, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just called Dark Empire 2. <laughs> uh, should we read the next story, or should we move on to the next story? Yes. Yes, I read it ahead of time. Oh, that sounds like a thing that actually happened. Did we talk about the creative team for Star Wars? Dark yeah. Empire? Oh, I don't think we did. I did. Did we? Yep. You did? Written by Tom Veach, drawn by Cam Kennedy. Okay. I, I missed that somehow. Yep, it was it was in there. I'm sorry, John. That's okay. <laughs> I did good, guys. I did real good. I did my job. Yeah, you did. You did. You're a good job, champ. Thanks, man. <laughs> You're a good job, champ. <laughs> yeah, you know, you want to call him chief or something? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, 
So we also read Powerless, which was written by uh, Matt Chernis, Peter Johnson, Art, or Pencils, Michael Gatiss, Colors by Lee Lowridge, Letters by Dave Sharp. And this is a six-issue uh, miniseries. And the whole, the pitch here is, what if the Marvel Universe but boring because nobody has any powers. Yep. Yeah, that, that that's right. The story focuses on William Watts, who is a psychiatrist who has woken up from a coma. And he, ever since waking up from the coma, he's been getting glimpses or kind of fantasies into like a parallel version of his world, just a little bit more fantastical and seeing a lot of parallels between the people that he's interacting with and Marvel like 616 characters. And this story particularly focuses on three characters, though we get a lot more hints of other characters and like their powerless versions. But this focuses on Peter Parker, who after being bitten by the spider, his arm like shriveled up. He has an internship at Stark Industries and is being not blackmail what's the word coerced threatened bullied coerced thank you he's being like coerced by Norman Osborn to you know give him industry secrets and uh, he's kind of dealing with you know being the victim of bullying having his kind of shriveled up arm losing Uncle Ben and uh, Gwen Stacy kind of gets caught up in the middle of all this so it's kind of him dealing with that and you know go talking to our protagonist William Watts you know about like his issues and stuff like that we also have Matt Murdock the blind lawyer who is just that nothing else I don't know where I was going with that introduction he's just a bland lawyer uh, who is who's uh, trying to get Frank Castle out of uh, some murder charges and he's trying to get William Watts to help him like maybe do like a, yeah he was under pressure so like his testimony isn't valid like that type of thing and he's also kind of going up against the kingpin involved in all this and so he's kind of taking on a case that's like maybe too big for such a small lawyer type of case and the third character is Wolverine because of course because of course which is also the more like fantastical part of this whole story because everything is pretty grounded up till we get to like the sleeper agent with like the stupid claw knives gloves things because of course yeah yeah and so he's he was sent to kill charles xavier and then thinks he did it so he goes to kill or not goes to kill but he goes to interrogate william watts because he was charles's psychiatrist charles was one of his patients that's what i was trying to say and so he's trying to figure out like why he was going there so he's also trying to figure out why he's you know why he woke up covered in blood and stuff like that he's pretty much jason borning i'm guessing it's been a hot minute since I saw Jason Bourne, but that sounds like it, right? Oh, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't punch like Swiss bankers, but sure, sure, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so it's him about kind of discovering who he is, uh, you know, apart from sleeper agent who kills people. So we kind of get that we get that he's part of Weapon X, and there's a Phoenix Project, and Eric Lencher is a senator from New Hampshire. So there's like a lot of nods, obviously, and a lot of this is about William Watts kind of going from being like a passive bystander who only listens and uh you know hint hint watches the world to kind of being more involved and helping these people you know find their place and guide them to like doing the right decisions right we kind of it's revealed to us it's it's revealed to us on the first page really but like after that it's kind of cemented in even further that he is that world's version of the watcher after he shaves off his mustache and, and it's kind of awkward looks in the mirror and the watcher is looking back at him yeah so super cemented if, if it wasn't obvious from like the first you know three panels of the first issue he's the watcher if it wasn't obvious that his name was what some of us were taken by surprise because some of us are a little dumb <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. And was not like I was not like 
I was like, okay, we're just going to follow this guy around. Like, he's going to turn out... I, I seriously spent the whole time, like, he's a caricature of some Marvel artist or writer. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Haven't been able to find anything. And didn't look, you know, for the longest time. And, yep, it, yep, I feel like an idiot now. Because, of course, of course, it's that's who it is. <laughs> yeah, I... So, actually, funny thing about that is... Brian Michael Bendis does make an appearance in here. Yeah, he does. He does. He does. Yeah, he's one of the patients. He's talking about writing. And he's like, get out, Brian. He's talking about Jinx, which is a book he released uh, independently. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cute. That was I was fun. trying to decide if that was a loving homage or not. And now I'm less... I'm less certain if if he's talking about a like self published thing. That makes me wonder if this isn't like the writer taking pot shots at him. Uh, like, hey, yeah, your self published thing is dumb. Maybe a little, or else it's maybe like a you know in joke. They're like, ah, no one will get this, even though every building or everything is named like <laughs> Brevort this, Mali of this. You know, it's all like hey, hey, yeah. Hey. It's almost as obvious as the Daredevil movie when they're listing off all the fighters that. Uh, Batlin Jack Murdoch, you know, had to fight, and it's all comic book writers, and it's like, all right, this is just, yeah. <laughs> I will say that one of the things I liked about this book was I kept expecting everything to go back to superpower. Like, I kept expecting yeah. this to be, like, some sort of spell, some sort of suppress. I, like, that's kind of what I kept waiting for. But I actually really appreciated that it stayed the course. Like, it, the, the gimmick it sold you was the Marvel Universe without powers, and that's what it gave you kind of through and through, and it still stayed, like, an interesting story. Like, I actually was quite fond of bare minimum like the peter parker and the matt murdoch stories kind of throughout i thought they were pretty well done and really interesting to see those characters kind of be the characters without being the heroes but they were still heroic and and i yeah. felt okay like the, the superheroes okay okay because like the matt murdoch and foggy and you know frank castle and frank and kingpin there i mean it was a normal daredevil story with no fight scenes you know i mean there were fight scenes because it was just them getting beat up but it didn't feel <laughs> It didn't feel different enough. It was like, yep, that's that's who they are. So, like, they did a good job showing the yeah. characters. But... And, and so did the Peter stuff. Like, that also felt like that is a Peter Parker story. Like, like exclusively a Peter Parker story, right? It's I, I, liked a... that. I liked that better because, it, like, he was still, you know, good even without any kind of power. He still believed, he still had that responsibility on his shoulders. Yeah, it was really interesting to see him struggle to find his way because he's kind of going from being the bully from being bullied to kind of trying to be the bully to like kind of figuring out that like you know the, the right thing is maybe not the thing that's easiest or stuff like that right like it was a really yeah. interesting struggle to see him kind of work through and he caught gwen lest we forget caught gwen yeah oh yeah with the creepy arm peter parker with a bum <laughs> arm, arm is better at rescuing his girlfriend than oh goodness i i love that that arm was gross to look at uh, <laughs> yeah I also yeah. like the covers. The covers were also really... I, th I think each cover was done by a different artist, and I thought they were pretty cool. Um, I was not a fan of the art in any of this. It was really? clear who was who, yeah, but I didn't like the art. Like, the coloring wasn't bad. Paneling wasn't bad. It just felt like the inks were too heavy. I think I agree with that. I just... I don't... I didn't like it. It just didn't look as professional or as polished. And we kind of... I don't know. We lose some subtlety. Like everyone had, like it, yeah. It's just the inks are way too heavy. I can't believe I didn't know he was the Watcher. I'm the dumbest boy in school. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I feel now I feel like a little bad for just constantly being like it was it's obvious. The most obvious. It was super thing. obvious. Oh my god! If you didn't figure it out by the third episode, <laughs> you know he's a ghost because he dies in the opening scene. Of course. C good job, public school. Oh. <laughs> Oh, goodness.
this. But oh yeah, but I was gonna say I actually really did quite like the art, but that's also because it reminded me a lot of like some of the Brubaker like like mystery comics that he's done like outside of Marvel and the the, the big two where they kind of use like that heavy line work. It feels like a little scratchy. I I actually really liked it. So like for me it was like way up my alley. But I guess I could see why like you wouldn't like it. There are a bunch of Brubaker comics currently for sale on Humble Bundle and I have been debating getting them. Oh, sounds like it's a deal. Yeah, I mean Humble Bundle tends to be a deal. Yeah. You're you're working on your child's future comic collection. <laughs> you're gonna share, right? So I mean, yes. It's an investment for the future. Yeah, true, fair. That you get to enjoy um, in the meantime. Yeah. Um I don't know. I did anybody else am I alone in this? Did anybody else when you were reading this think of what was that story? Uh Marvels. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And kind of uh, Spider-Man life story a little bit, just because it was like a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna wink at all the things you know, but that's not what it is anymore. So I, I, like part of me, uh, the problem I had with this in part was it felt like things we have seen and read before, but it wasn't quite as good. But there were some good things. I did like that Wolverine still kept his claws and was still out there doing his Wolverine thing. He was just like, there he goes. All right. <laughs> I. Was not was not a fan of that. <laughs> oh no, you misunderstood. I don't think it was good, but I was oh, just like, okay. ah, look at him shoehorning in those claws. You know, like I, I expected him to like realize what was going on and be like, Watts, wake up, like he did in uh, House of M. You know, you know what the, the simple solution to like the Wolverine thing is without giving him like stupid claws, like Making that. him a mounty. <laughs> I mean, apart from this, <laughs> just just give it just give it him size. Yeah. Yeah, like that that also works and he doesn't have to have a weird contraption and he can put them away and look like a normal person. <laughs> Raphael. <laughs> as as normal as Logan can ever look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Blue being hair, a five fuzzy. foot yeah, <laughs> five foot two. <laughs> Four foot wide. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sideburns all the way from here to Colorado. <laughs> hey, it's Alberta. Oh my goodness. But anyway, yeah, so yeah, I think this story was trying to be Marvels in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it has the weight for it. No. Because Marvel's, like, was all about how the Marvel Universe looks to a normal person. And this story is all about how the regular universe looks to regular people who are mildly delusional. And, like, it doesn't do anything with that. Like, the twist, the big payoff for the story is that the, the therapist is the watcher. That's the twist. I feel like the reveal that he's the Watcher isn't meant to be the payoff. I feel like that's the post credit scene. It was the payoff for me, but again, I'm stupid. <laughs> I think the payoff here... I honestly think that the payoff here is that even without their powers, these characters are still heroic, and it kind of pushes that whole idea of, like, anybody can be a hero. You don't need a mask and fancy powers type thing. Yeah, like it's, we got it's, that yeah, so much better in uh, Into the Spider-Verse, didn't we? <laughs> no, because that one said you still need powers. No, it's um. you have to be bit. You have to have spider-themed powers specifically. Even if you are a pig, what? I wash my hands. No other reason. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe the takeaway here, at least for me, I think like the payoff here is more after-school special than it is like grandiose multiverse revelation. Was the Watcher? Were they implying that he killed himself at the end? No, no, he, he just his... shaved his mustache. Yeah, but then life he's holding... doesn't end when you lose your facial hair. I hope not. As someone who has accidentally shaved his beard off on more than one occasion, I can speak to that. Were you trimming and trimming and trimming and evening out and evening out and then, oh, baby boy. Just forgot to switch the attachment. There you go. No, but like they, I read a, 
maybe it was because it was a bad summary. Because I was looking through trying to find out who he was a caricature of. Because I was like, I know, like, it's more than just kind of a vague major dad lookalike, you know? Like, who is he? <laughs> looking around, and then nothing, nothing. But one of the summaries said, oh, and in the end, uh, we see him killing him. So, like, it's kill himself with his razor blade. And it's like, does he? <laughs> no. It does explain him being the Watcher, and again, I'm as dumb as a bag of hammers for not picking up on that. Um, it, it does explain why he doesn't do jack squat about anything the whole time. Because I'm like... Until the end. Until the end, sure. Because inevitably the Watcher will, you know, break his break his oath you know, and be the doer. Yeah. I, I will say that he did remind me a lot of J.K. Simmons. Yeah, if J.K. Simmons was like thick. Yeah, yeah. So like, so every time, every time he was speaking in my head, it was J.K. Simmons speaking. Yeah, that would have made the character more interesting if he had the energy that Simmons brings to some of his roles. Yeah, I don't know. This story bored me. Oh. I think you're right, though, that the the Daredevil and Spider Man stuff is pretty good. I just remember rolling my eyes so hard when Wolverine showed up that I think I passed out. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's not that it's like bad, like completely bad. I was pretty bored, but there was some stuff in it that I liked. The moment when the Punisher is like, well, he's not the Punisher, he's Frank Castle. He's like looking out behind the bars of the prison and the moon is over his head and the craters in the moon look like the eyes and nose of a skull and the bars in the prison look like the teeth on the yeah. Punisher logo. I'm like, cool little art trick. I really like that. Punisher's um, world doesn't change a bit though, right? Like... He's still he's still capable of the same you know the same stuff. Kingpin still the same stuff. I liked yeah. I did like the um, you know espionage and uh, Peter Parker like getting getting the advantage on uh, Norman Osborn in the end, uh, even though he was like certain doom. I need to start like an Instagram account where it's like the pun- the Punisher logo, but not really. And it's just every time we see the Punisher logo, but not really. <laughs> it just quickly devolves to being skulls. It's just like skulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the Punisher logo, right? Right, right. What was it? Okay, so I think it was a television show. I think it was Burn Notice, actually, where somebody described it as like, the only way the good guys win is because everybody they encounter is just incredibly bad at their jobs. Yes. And that's kind of gotten me to start paying attention to how people do their jobs in fiction. And just as I get older, you know, and have more experience with the world, the more it's noticeable that, oh, these professionals are bad at their jobs. Daredevil's a bad lawyer in this specifically because, like, you can't just spring a witness on the defense or on the... You can't. You can't do that. Well, then years of Matlock have lied to me. Yeah. You've been watching Legal Legal, haven't you? Yes, I have. I have, for some reason, over the last several years, taken a a more, like, focused interest in how the the law functions for various different reasons that I'm sure... (laughs) Anyway. Devin from Legal Legal is quite handsome. He is, though, right? <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'll take your word for it. You should you should I'm watch Legal Legal. Legal. YouTube channel. Very good. I know it's a YouTube channel. His list. suits are from Indochino. <laughs> you, should, okay. you, should watch the tri- you, should, you should watch the trial of Frank Castle video. Oh, that's right. He did one on... on the Netflix Daredevil show. Okay. The uh, therapist. Like, I have some experience with... with how therapy works both like from professionally I work with therapists and I've been through therapy he's kind of a bad therapist yeah and I was thinking is he just like distracted thinking about superheroes yeah the way he blows off Bendis we could all be therapists 
like, yeah, he just kicks him out of his office. Okay, but like, wouldn't you also blow off Bendis? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I would get I would get fifteen other people around a conference room and we'd have a big long chat. Be like, see, this is how it feels, Bendis. See how it feels. <laughs> you like being stuck on conference call. Uh. He's the only guy to go, this email could have been a meeting. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, good, interesting premise. Bad professionals, too much emphasis on Wolverine. That's that's kind of my take home on this. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you on the Wolverine thing. Uh, mo- mostly because that's also when I started to be like, all right, you're kind of losing grip of like the concept. You're like, uh-huh. yeah, this is normal, blah, blah. And everything up to that point does feel like believable, right? I feel. But then you get to like sleeper agent with claws and it's like okay yeah yeah that was probably the biggest misstep the spider-man stuff i thought was pretty good i don't know i think i'm I'm kind of just treading over the same points again yeah we are we are we can move on i guess if you want to Uh, i think we need to put them up man i'm not gonna lie though when he kidnapped went stacy i got a little worried i was like oh no yeah not again (laughs) yeah not again i've seen where this goes please stop i thought these these sins were past no! Why no! did you do that? No! 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 So you know how um, I know that like Jabba the Hutt would be a big Nintendo fan? Oh boy. Because his favorite song kind of goes a little like Jabba Jabba Jabba. Jabba Jabba Jabba. <laughs> Was that it? Is that the thing that we've waited the whole podcast to hear you say? No, no, that was the dumb thing I refused to 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 admit. I was still waiting for it. That was worse than Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> okay, John, hold on. All right, all right. There's all no right. need to get personal. All here. right, all right, all right. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I feel attacked. It wasn't that bad. <sighs> this is a safe space. Sorry, it was just okay. Waiting for something that ultimately lets you down kind of struck a nerve. Is all. So. <laughs> <laughs> The, the thing that was supposed to be the clever thing was the Von Stroganoff thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways. Uh, currently on our list, we have a lot of stories. Holy crap. Uh, 177. Suddenly I realized that's actually a lot of comics that we've read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of them good. Some of them are even good. Uh, I mean, It's been a while, I think, since we've done this. Where does good start on the list? It's been a while. I know I, we usually said the Star Wars manga. Well, that's like not just good. That's like everything above that is almost like recommended slash required reading. At least that's been my take on it. Well, then I didn't get the memo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say somewhere between like 130 because I don't like long shot. I don't care. Steven. <laughs> I don't like it. If you if a, if a dude in a mullet spends five issues confused about what he can do and things randomly happen, I'm bored. I'm bored. I don't. I don't want. It. Maybe that's why I didn't like Big Great American Hero. You know that TV show. I don't know premise of that. Like I don't know what I can. Um. So above there, I, 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 I feel like somebody's gonna have um like a mulleted amnesiac story out there that totally wins John over. But anyway, John's markation of where the good starts includes Mary Jane Homecoming. So let's roll with it. All no. Right. Do these stories fall in the good portion of the list? Let's start with Dark Empire. Yeah. I think it's below Vader down, but not not too far below it. Vader down is lower on this list than I want it to be. Where is Vader down again? One twenty five. Okay, so it's it's in the good part of the list, but just barely. I agree with you that I think that this is better or not as good as Vader down. 
But is this better than Infinities with the What If Star Wars comic? I think it's better. The art popped out at me. I can't remember Original Sin. Original Sin, yeah, I, eh. That's the one where Bucky becomes the man on the, the fly on the wall. Yeah, nope. I like that. I, get, I feel like I am okay being in the minority on that one. This is, this is the neighborhood, though, because it's pretty good, but... This is that area of the list where one person really likes something, but the other two don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it totally is. Steven, how do you feel like compared to Infinites? I like this better than Original Sin. All right, then. It's close, I think, but I do like it better than Original Sin. So, below Vader Down, above Original Sin. That's where I would put it, I think. I think that's fair, because Vader Down kind of was a, a bit more... It was new, right, while still being, you know, within the time period of the original trilogy. And this is... We're doing this again, so... Yeah, yeah, unfortunately... I'm fine with that. I'm not going to argue much over it. Good spot. It feels good. So where does Powerless go? I mean, the book that it's most comparable to is Marvel's, which is at number 17. Not going to happen. Nah. No, no. Like, like, like no. a big part a big part of Marvel's is also the Alex Ross art. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I would put it after Maximum Carnage at 141, replacing Damage Control. Oh, jeez. Which was low. just boring. Yeah. It was okay, oh. but I just, I, it's like, we've seen all this stuff before, and the, the parts of it that approach good are how the regular comics are, you know? it's. I, I was going to put this below Mary Jane and above Election Day, 116. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I like this a lot more than Dark Empire. We should start strategically saying our number, because so, the third person is usually the decider, because they come in with... You know, hearing our arguments and they're able to like twist it to their. This is how we get crappy books above good books. By crappy books, I mean <laughs> the ones that you two like. Like just throwing it out there, uh, Mary Jane Homecoming, for example, uh, above books that I like, which is oh, I don't know, anything below Mary Jane Homecoming, pretty much. Yeah, um, I feel like Mary Jane is a good spot. Good. good. Is it? Yeah, I, I think it could stand to be a little higher. Yes, yeah, uh, could it? Definitely above Eternals. Nope. Wait, which Eternals? Uh, I think above it's the, the Neil Gaiman one. The first yeah. one that we read? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. That one was okay. Because the second one we read was Thor, and that's actually below where you're looking for Yeah, you know why? Because that was not That was a mess of a mess. That was like... It was kind of a mess. This is an Eternals book? Um, or, uh, yeah. I would put a home, uh, Mary Jane Homecoming above Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. It is above Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, isn't it? It's not. Well, there's justice in this world after all. <laughs> hey, John. I like your placement for Powerless. Dang right you do. Yeah, I think it goes at 141. Like, Maximum Carnage is, is a bloated mess, but it's almost required reading. Yeah, yeah. In a way that this is not. No. So I think that's where it goes. What do you think sorry, of, sorry. What do you think of democracy now, Aldo? Uh, the, I have the same opinion. White people ruin it. Number 141. I wish, That's where it goes. I wish we could go out on that joke, but I wanted to talk to you guys about Spider-Man. Have you saw, Have you seen Spider-Man? Oh, and we gotta go over what we're reading next time, and also I haven't seen Spider-Man yet. Oh, Steven. Esteban. Esteban. I got in that narrow window of go out and wear a mask, and Omicron didn't get me, so, yeah, but now I'm not. Omicron, Percy, I ate. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, sorry, Stephen. That sucks. We will shelve our, our discussion for another time, then. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to see it until much, much later, probably, unfortunately. For crying out loud, I saw two movies in 2021. They were Black Widow and In the Heights, and I saw them both 
at home on the couch. Oh, those are two of the ugh, movies. <laughs> I had fun within the Heights. It wasn't good, but well, I still had fun with it. You've only seen two movies. Of course, you had fun with it. Especially compared uh, to Black Widow, where it's like, all right, this is ten years too late, but okay. Uh, I want to know. In the Heights better than Black Widow. So hold on, let's talk about what we're gonna do next time. Stephen, what are we gonna read next time? Okay, so for our next episode, we've got a couple of stories that we're gonna be reading. Um, the first one is a run from The Incredible Hulk, Volume 3, numbers 8 through 12. This is a story that John has alluded to, I don't know if it's actually been on mic or not, called Stay Angry, where the Hulk has to be mad all the time so that he keeps Bruce Banner at bay because Banner is evil. Banner keeps getting him into tricky situations. Um, he's he's up to something. He's scheming and he's a mad scientist. Banner has become a bad guy. And the Hulk keeps waking up as a result of Banner, like, doing something crazy, and he wakes up and he's like, why am I in Atlantis? Why am I on a space station? What's going on? <laughs> like, all of this stuff just snow piles. Now, if it's dumb, I don't want it to be, like, John's idea. <laughs> this was a group decision that I merely put forward as a possibility, not like, this This book is my child. But it is, I think it's John Jason John paid Aaron. Aldo and myself five seventy-five dollars <laughs> apiece. <laughs> To read this story on the podcast. I should buy one and a half comics. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, John, instead of taking 100% of the credit, taking 50% of the credit. No. Which is still 100% more credit than Stephen and I's 25% of the credit. Oh my gosh, Aldo, that math. I hate you. Never do it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, was it right, though? I winked it. <laughs> I think that's correct. I was an English major, for crying out loud. The next story <laughs> we're going to read is from the original run of X-Force. Issues number 116 through 120. That's the introduction of the team that would later be known as Ecstatics, which it's been a long time. I've read these before. Been a long time. Curious how well they hold up. Will I need a uh, big belt and shoulder pads? No. No, you will not. Okay. I don't think they even mention cable television. Oh. <laughs> there are plenty of feet and very few pouches, if I recall. Okay, then. But more than a few references to reality television. Oh, no. Yeah, this will be interesting for you, John. Oh, boy. Anyway, no Spider-Man spoilers, because I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. <laughs> have, you, have you been doing pretty well at avoiding uh, spoilers? No! No, I have not! Because it's Because it turns out, when a movie makes more money than the gross domestic product of some countries, it turns out that people want to talk about it. And so I know a lot of the stuff that happens. Instagram is like, well, you're a nerd, so you've probably seen this movie. Here's everything. Yeah. Instagram's we still won't spoil worst. it for you, but hope that you get to enjoy it soon. Yeah, I won't go into the big juicy meaty details, but... I mean, should we tell him that he does whatever a spider can? Ah, you know, I wouldn't want to ruin that for him. I don't, I don't want to... Let I don't find out. I don't, want to, I don't want to spoil that he can crawl walls. Yeah. That's good, because I don't need that. Hmm. The spider part is a, is an allegory, Stephen. Yeah. Spider-Man, yeah. It's not literal. The web is one we construct ourselves emotionally. I, I feel like that's the thing that we just read. <laughs> that's powerless again. I feel like I could skip it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.